What's up, everybody? Kevin Hurd here for Packing It Up. Uh, we're on episode number 39 already, uh, recapping the Packers' loss to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Marcus Wiegert and myself uh, recorded this episode right around Wednesday, uh, November 2nd. Uh, so we gave it a couple days to kind of gather our thoughts and allow the trade deadline to go through, which was pretty uneventful, as always, uh, for the Packers. But uh, we have a pretty good discussion just talking about things, the state of the Packers, and kind of where we see things going. So uh, once again, we appreciate everybody listening to us, and uh, let's dive into the episode. Packing it up, per usual, here, Kevin Hurd, our dear friend, Marcus Wiegert, joining us from the comfort of his own home. Marcus, needed you, needed you on this week. I mean, you're usually on, but we really needed you on this week. Yeah, I'm here. Um, I don't know that our discussion, which will probably go nearly the amount of time, will be much different than it's been the last few weeks, but let's see. I mean, let's see. The Green Bay Packers taking another L. 27-17 uh, to the Buffalo Bills. Just really quickly, because I feel like we got a lot of stuff to discuss. I mean, who played well, who didn't? I feel like we're going to have the same answer, so this would go pretty quick. But give me, give me your first guy. Guy who played well, who I don't think that maybe people would think of, is Josiah DeGuara. Finally got on the field. I like it. Had a lot of ability or a lot of tenacity blocking um was just yeah just fired up i think he had a catch maybe two i can't remember specifically now it's been a few days but um yeah it's kind of one of those things you know as a as a coach kevin which i'm assuming you're familiar with um people usually say well you don't necessarily know what goes on because you're not at practice you don't know you know what they don't know in terms of plays or whatever else but what we're finding out here is some of these guys that people have been kind of clamoring for that are now getting on the field, um, they seem to they seem to be producing. Like when you put Amari Rogers at a wide receiver spot and not a punt returner spot, when you put Josiah DeGuara in the game, and you cut the snaps of maybe a Tyler Davis or a Mercedes Lewis, um, Zach Tom all of a sudden plays, and you're kind of like, wait a minute, I don't think as the I wouldn't say casual fan, the enhanced casual fan. Mm should be able to figure these things out. Um, in terms of who played bad, I mean, we could throw a lot of blame there, so I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I mean, we are only recording the audio of this meeting, but as you're saying all these names, I wish I could record the video for all of our viewers, but my, my eyebrows just keep raising up. Like, wait, you mean all these guys that we've drafted in the past are starting to produce when you put them on the field? Shocker. Can't wait to go into my uh, rant coming up here uh, shortly. But I had Josiah DeGuara on there, so I, I let you run that. Amari Rogers I had on my list. Uh, just the obvious candidates. I mean, Aaron Jones. I mean, I don't know what more you can say about the guy at this point. Uh, 20 rushes, 143 yards, you know, 7.2 yards per carry. I mean, the guy's just, a, the guy's just an absolute stud. Um, and as we all know from past pods, uh, had we rode him a little harder in past games, I think our record would be a different story. But that's uh, for past pods, so go check out those episodes. 
uh, on our page if you want to if you want to check out that stuff. Um, but I had Aaron Jones, and then I just had Samari Torre making an appearance. Um, you know, just kind of out there playing, just kind of out there making plays, but getting open spots. Doesn't seem to, you don't feel any pressure when you just go out there for 10 snaps and you just try to make things happen. It's fun. It's fun when you have drafted guys out there producing, which I'm going to discuss that in a second. And it's a good thing we're in a safe spot here and not doing this on Twitter because our account might get deleted tonight. So, well, I did a lot of things on Twitter today and I can say honestly that I'm I'm proud of all of them. Uh, I really think some good points were shared. I, I hope people start to listen to us more and take us more seriously because there's a lot of people out there that don't really know what they're talking about and they just want to express thoughts and feelings without putting any thought into it. So that's why we're here is we put thought into our feelings. And I hope Elon Musk is here to delete all the spammers and uh, bots. And I hope he's sharp enough to realize that we are not one of those people. So we will continue to produce weekly content and be on Twitter. Uh, and if you love us more, we'll be able to buy the $8 a month and get Twitter blue to give you more coverage. <laughs> that is that is correct. We'll keep pulling in those sponsorships to cover our $8 a month for our blue check. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about the game. We talked about who played well, didn't well. I mean, we didn't even really cover who didn't play well, but I feel like that's going to factor into our discussion right now. So uh, getting into some of the questions here, we only got a couple because I feel like we're going to have some pretty good discussion on on all of them. But, you know, what? Do you, how do you feel now? How do you feel about the Packers after Sunday? Do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Are you still jumping off a cliff like you were last week? So you're even? What What's, what's the story there? No, I mean, if anybody knows me, I'm uh, optimism is not necessarily a word in my vocabulary. I guess I wasn't saying you personally jumping off a cliff. I just meant the general we, which seems like everybody else besides us. No, 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 no. I jumped. Uh, oh, you wow. ju- oh, you jumped. Okay. All right. I, I jumped after uh, after the Jets game, which I was in attendance and, and your father was there. I jumped. You know, my um, parents. My parents taught me that if your friend jumped off a cliff, would you? And so I'm still taking the advice. I'm not jumping yet. I'm not jumping. Yeah. So um, somehow I got to see, you know, a defeat to a, my my favorite non-packer, Taylor Heineke. Love watching that dude ball. Um, and then, yeah, you know, obviously Sunday night you go on with kind of the expectations. And that's kind of what I thought it would be. I guess the only thing that's positive is they continue to fight. And you actually – opened my mind with some optimism when you said the word Samare Toure. Just saying Toure, you know, is like hooray. Like it's got a positive feeling to it. So um, I will hold my entire judgment on the season until this upcoming Sunday. That's what rides on it all. If they lose, I'm completely in the bag for the rest of the year. If they win, there's a slight, you know, uh, thing of hope and anything in between doesn't matter. I think I've been pretty consistent with this sentiment, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's on this pod, is that people love to call me an optimist, and I just prefer that I'm a realist. Regarding the Packers' playoff chances, those are very real things that I'm talking about. There's no one in the NFC that is really separating themselves in the middle group, which I'm talking about. You know, we obviously have our top seeds, which we've talked about, but that 
that middle group, nobody's really separating themselves. So as a competitor and as a fan, I want us to be a good football team. And we're clearly not there yet. But to just completely ditch out on the season when there's seven teams in the same scenario, to me, is just foolish. So I preach optimism because I'm a fan and want us to do well. But it's more so just being realistic. Uh, How do I feel after Sunday's game? I feel the same way that I've always felt is kind of mentioning your comment before. We are not the people at practice. We are not the people having the phone calls. You know, we are not the people in the meetings between players. And there are guys that are frustrated and there are guys that are not frustrated. And they seem to be in an okay place as a team. I didn't say good. I didn't say horrible. I said, okay. And so I'm not a big believer in moral victories. Uh, I'm really bothered by the comments the past couple of days that this was the first game that we were actually ready to play that, that bothered, that bothered the hell out of me. Yeah. But all right. Who said it? I know that 12 said it and you got to take everything he says with a grain of salt. So I'm upset, but at the same time, these guys, none of them look panicked. And maybe I should be concerned about that, that there's no urgency. But at the same time, they just don't seem like they're a panicked football team, which just makes me curious, I guess. I've we're going to start, start, like start calling you Curious George. <laughs> and I think that this is why this pod works, because you are a generally optimistic type guy. And you're saying you're a realist. But it's funny because I've always been a pessimist and I've always said that I'm pessimistic because I'm a realist. So maybe we should change the name of this to real packing it up or real Packers talk. Um, But also in you saying that, you know, which again is a staggering comment that we finally were up to play with the energy and whatever else. Like to me, at what point is like 12 kind of like that, you know, again, you're a young guy, younger than me. Um, so you may not remember these days, but like pre-cell phone technology, it's like when you're growing up and you're going to go to your middle school dance and ask a girl to go with you. But every time you go and meet her in person, you're like so nervous, you can't say anything. So like you go tell all of her friends, like, I want to ask her out. And then the message gets back to her. That's kind of how Aaron Rodgers operates to this team. Now, again, we're not there to say like, but has any of these guys in the locker room said, oh yeah, Aaron's been preaching or Aaron this or Aaron that. No one's ever thrown him any feel good. So I doubt he's doing this in a public setting with the team, but he can go on any interview in the locker room or go jump on McAfee and just be in his safe spot, which is, I'm curious about. Your story sounds like you have a lot of real world experience with what you're talking about. Hey, I didn't get a cell phone until I was in high school. So On a side note, I marvel at the people before even our day that had no cell phones that went on spring break that were just like, hey, meet us in meet us in Jacksonville, Florida in four days at the, you know, that to me blows my mind. But well, and in tying that in after this week, if the Packers end up losing to the Lions, they might be telling Joe Barry to meet us at the airport at this time and they might already be gone. (laughs) That is that is an excellent segue to my next question. And I don't normally do this, Marcus Wiegert, but I'm going to ask for an uninterrupted minute or two to go on a personal rant about Brian Gutekunst. 
So before we get there, the question is, whose seat is hotter for the Packers? Is it Matt LaFleur? Is it defensive coordinator Joe Barry? Or is it our general manager, Brian Gunacoons? I just give you my answer. So, Joe Barry. All right, let me – I agree with you, which is surprising. I mean, it, it happens from time to time on this show. But I agree with you very quickly because he is the most expendable of that group of three. All right, you can go out and find another defensive coordinator. It's a very thorough process to go get a new head coach. It's usually a more thorough process to get a GM because then other dominoes start falling. Usually you get a new GM, you want a new head coach and so on and so forth. But I went off on Twitter today because there were Packers. I'm not even going to call them fans. I'm just going to call them Packers people. Okay. Packers people with, with accounts on Twitter that were trying to get fire Gutekunst trending. All right. And let me, let me say something to you people. All right. The only reason that the Packers are in this position is because of Brian Gutekunz, all right? If you cheered on the Packers the past two, three years on the verge of Super Bowls, trying to get to the promised land, if you cheered on the Packers, then you want Brian Gutekunz in your organization. Like, he helped build this team to get to that point, all right? And I'm not talking about the decision of bringing 12 back, and trying to keep your Super Bowl window open, but also developing for the future. I'm not talking about that, all right? I'm talking about all these people on Twitter that say, oh, he's so bad at drafting. Like, why are we not trading for a wide receiver? Like, why did we pass on all these guys in the draft? Like, there are so many things that I want to dive into. The first thing is, is go check out our pass pods on the draft, right? The Packers are consistently top three, top five in the NFL of the best drafting teams. Not of the past five years. We're talking like the past 20 years, all right? So I'm sick of all this talk on Twitter, like of the stuff that I just mentioned. The second thing is I got fired up with people today because people were like, you know, he should have realized the windows closed. Like, why did he bury this team, you know, right now? We're going to be horrible for the future. Well, picture yourself Marcus as the GM of the Green Bay Packers and you have all these things going for you why would you not for the sake of your own job try and do both all right let me just take you back a couple of years all right when Aaron Rodgers wasn't performing well the Jordan Love pick we've always talked about it right if that guy doesn't play it down for the Packers it was a successful draft pick I'm not going to say a great but that pick caused Aaron Rodgers to become motivated and win back-to-back MVPs, all right? And if you look at this Packers team, all right, we don't obviously get to where we want to go without him playing like that. So I'm sitting there. I'm Brian Gutekunz. I got the back-to-back MVP. I have a very young defense, a lot of young players on it, all right? I'm looking at that going, I have a young ascending defense. I've had a solid offensive line for a decade. I have Aaron Jones. I have A.J. Dillon. All right. I have Robert Tunyon, who's a solid tight end. Remember two years ago, he was one of the better tight ends in the NFL before he got hurt. So I'm sitting there on all these things. We got all of our draft picks, right? Why would you not want to try and do both? Okay. So if you're upset because these things didn't work out, 
I want to know from the people on Twitter, what evidence did he have at the time that it wouldn't have worked out? Like he had a solid offensive line. He had two all pros on the offensive line, right? He had Aaron Jones. He had AJ Dillon. All right. He, he uh, had a defense with multiple contributors below the age of 25. All right. How did he know that Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage were going to fall flat off the earth this year? How did he know that David Bakhtiari and Elgin Jenkins were going to have injuries that they might not be the same player? Robert Tunyon tears his ACL. How did he know that any of this stuff was going to happen? Eric Stokes just completely takes a step back. How does he know any of this? Like, hold the players accountable, all right? Brian Gutekunst isn't on the field calling plays. He's not on the field developing players, all right? He is there to put the team together, and he did a damn good job. And if these players aren't playing how they're supposed to play, then that's on them and it's on the coaches. So I will defend Brian Gutekunst to the end because of all that. So rant, rant officially over on that. Case closed. I mean, I don't even want to talk. I mean, that's uh, that's the most fired up you got. I don't know if you need to uh, either take some time off on uh, on the old Twitter um, or maybe you just need to become more locked in. I mean, maybe we should get you talking with um, Mr. Musk. I mean, maybe you can be uh, one of his uh, cabinet members for Twitter. It just bothers me because, and our, our next you know question really quickly here, just about the trade deadline. And it's like, are you surprised? Are you not? How do you feel about the moves within the division? And it's like, I'm not surprised what the Packers did because – the hardest thing to do is to stick to your guns and stick with the model that you have. And I'm not giving up a second round pick for Chase Claypool. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. Just my opinion. He had what, eight to 10 games his rookie year where he looked great. And somebody made a comment and said, well, maybe that's because nobody was in the stands that year. <laughs> could, be, could be true. Could be true. Nobody saw him play, maybe. That's it. He just sounded great. Nobody saw, actually saw him play. It's just, again, like I put on Twitter earlier tonight, I said everybody wants to make a move, to make a move, so you can talk about it, get excited about it, then realize, well, 12 doesn't have any confidence in this person, isn't on the same page. Look how long it takes everybody within the organization to get on with them. Then they'll be complaining about that pick five, eight, seven weeks from now. And then next year at the draft, people will be complaining about, oh, how we traded some picks for a receiver that's useless. That's all people do. Either you're on the bus or you're off the bus. Majority of the people are off of it, so you can't help them. Because I was texting with you during the game. How, and I brought up Brian Gutekunst, but also just anybody on the Packers. How how many players from last year's team came back worse? And some of them much worse than last year. And how is that something that you can prepare for? I mean, I just threw out random names to you. I'm just going off the top of my head right now. But I think you hit on them all. I mean, that was basically the key ones, you know, whether it was injuries or whether it was just step backs again the only ones you missed were like Rasul and this Devondre but again like what was wrong with what they did like just again this is where you know people are are have no clue right and I also love the people that I'm not saying because you played high school football like that matters at all but also if you didn't play a down of tackle football in your life you literally have no clue either um but Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas if the Packers would not have brought them back People would have melted Twitter, but they did because they had such great seasons, but also in some ways, like those guys were not going to play to the level that they did last year because they played at such a high level. And 
Like, they're still solid. Like, Rasul, yeah, he's grabby. He was grabby last year. He just got away with stuff. Now this year he's getting called more for it. He's almost had five interceptions this year, though. Like, he's right there. Devondre was getting better before he, you know, got hurt. Um, but, yeah, Chris Barnes getting hurt and on and on and on. All the ACLs we've had. Yes, like you mentioned, all these guys taking a step back. Like, it's, a, it's, it's the same thing where this is where people drive me nuts. Rogers window, Rogers window, Rogers window. I'm just, you know how much I'm sick of listening about that. But the main reason I'm sick about listening is because he changed this outlook. McCarthy, gone. Hires LaFleur, 13-3, 13-3, 13-4. Should have been three NFC championship games, two of which should have been hosted at Lambeau. The Buccaneers game, yeah, our guy Kevin King, who we supported and still support, and we'll probably uh, – you want to see another way Twitter could burn if he comes back and joins the Packers in a small uh, cameo next year, since he's taken the year off of football this year to kind of get healed up. Um, but obviously he has the worst game of his career, right? Petten makes that call at the end of the half. A lot of different things happen. You know, calls don't go for the Packers, Aaron Jones fumbles. Um, and then let's not forget Rogers doesn't run that one in at the goal line, you know, again, right? Like bad news. Bakhtiari gets hurt right before then. Yada, yada, yada. Fast forward to the following year. A.J. Dillon gets hurt in the playoff game after dominating on special teams. Mercedes Lewis has a fumble. Rodgers completely misses Lazard late in the game coming across. The special teams, the defense, like, sometimes it's just not meant to be. Like, you can't get out of your way. Like, that's coaching, right? Things just happen. Sometimes the stars align. Sometimes they don't. And so, like, yeah, like, to your point, with all these guys taking step backs or the injuries, like, how do you know that you put your team in the best position possible? And ironically, going back to this game too, they finally decide to run the ball, which is phenomenal, which is why it kept them in the game because they were dominating that way. Hell, if they did that in, in the Giants game, the Jets game, and the in the Washington game, they're winning two of those for sure, probably all three. And we're talking completely different here at this point. And now Correct. you have chemistry with those receivers more because there's more open looks because you're running the ball, which is your strength, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and that's stuff that we've always talked about, but I, I just don't – I just wanted to address that because we're not in any of the position that we are now, which isn't a good one, but in the past, without all the moves that we've made. And anybody who follows professional sports or knows people in professional sports, like, you get paid based on what you did if you're a veteran, right? Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, they got paid for how they played, and they have – I shouldn't say those two specifically, but a lot of returning veterans that the player that the Packers have had have fallen off a cliff. I mean, I, I thought the move that Brian Gutekunst was going to make, I thought he was going to try and ship Darnell Savage somewhere. I mean, the Packers did that with HaHa Clinton Dix a couple years ago, traded him at the deadline, got rid of his contract, and then they move a corner. I'm trying to remember what corner they moved to safety back then. Was that Tremont Williams? Did they play him at safety? I'm trying to remember. Um, they did. Yep. I, thought, I thought they were going to move Rasul Douglas to safety and that's how they were going to roll. And it wouldn't have surprised me at all, but I can't tell you how disappointed I am in those two guys. And also, you know, there's been a ton of injuries to wide receivers. There's been a, a revolving door on the offensive line. I mean, the fact that they're three and five, I think is kind of crazy, but also they're three and five with all this stuff and they're still in a potential playoff spot, which you can look at this team and go, oh, we're not winning anything. Well, okay, but, like, they're trying to. So it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't It doesn't matter what 
at Packers 1996 says on Twitter, like the Packers are trying to win football games. All right. Whether we like it or not, there are players that have bonuses that are tied to wins. Like they're going out there trying to win. And the people in the front office are also trying to win because it's their jobs. So until people understand that, the Packers are going to continue to try and do things their way. And I hope that some of the things that they did on Sunday well carries over into future games here because I think they have a chance to sneak in. And like, as we all know, not only from Packers experience, but also from opposing teams experience, you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And so if we get there, I'm interested to see who shows up and what happens when we get to that point. I also want to make a comment that uh, for all those people out there that have those long threads of every single Packer player that should have been drafted over the other. Oh God, like, stop it. Just no, no, stop no, no, it. no, 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 no. T Higgins or Michael Pittman over love Terry McLaurin over Jay Sternberger on, 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 on. And everybody's got the exact examples. I would love to see their mock draft previews, their predictions where they had guys lane before, because it's comical how many people that make these comments and then literally had no clue who these people were at the time of getting drafted. It is comical. Cause you know what we do, you know what we do on this pod is I say they're going to take Eric Stokes and then they take Eric Stokes and then Eric Stokes is rookie year. He's good. Now I will also take the heat because he's bad this year. So, but if you want to, if you want to make claims like that, you know, come out and say it and just own it. I made the Eric Stokes pick. Come after me. Come I'm after me then. He's he's not playing well. Come on this pod and talk to me about it. Because I, I was the one who made that pick and stood by it. But I don't sit here in hindsight going, well, you know, we should have took this guy. And that's why Gutekunz has ruined the team. Just shut up. I'm so I'm so done with that. You've had some really good one-liners. You're going to need to take this pod and edit it and just clip it. And then we're going to have to use those. Just kind of throw them in there when you're like, I'm not listening to it anymore. Maybe that'll be like the start of our pod is it'll just be like packing it up and it's like, I'm done. I'm done. You just got to, just got to cut it and get it at the start. Yep. Yeah. We got to get our, we got to get our stat crew on that. I'm Again, not, you've, you've come up with the title. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not handy enough to get that done, but it, it's just, I think it was Herm Edwards when he used to work in the studio. He said, just, just think about before you hit that send button. That, that that's just just think about hitting that send button right? speaking of good old Hermas coming back to uh do a little analysis work i think for college football great well he's gonna say it he's gonna be like don't hit send think about it so success has a lot of different definitions and like i mentioned i think the players on the team are trying to win people in the front office are trying to win that's their jobs what do you think constitutes as a successful season. It's weird that we talk about it after this game because there are a lot of people that came out and said, you know, moral victory, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not big on those. I know you're not big on those. But I guess what what do you think constitutes a successful season for the Packers in your mind? Because we're, we're right about halfway through, right? Three and five. Yeah, they got nine games left. That's some really good math there. Did you learn that at Portage or Carroll? No comment. Okay. Um, so you must be taking classes at MSU now. I got you. Good idea. Um, 
I mean, is this based off of this weekend, win or loss? Are we playing that kind of, or is it just straight up like what constitutes a winning? Or well, a winning? I just think, I mean, everybody out there has their own opinion. You can go to Twitter and find that we should just be dishing the season for a top five pick. So you want mine, honestly? Yeah, I, I want your opinion on what do you think, you know, is a successful season for this Packers team? I think Jordan loves starting at least two games because I'm looking long-term, trying to look from a GM's standpoint. And if he doesn't get a few more starts where he's the guy, whether this means Green Bay wins out and somehow miraculously hosts a playoff game or something, or they don't do well, or Rodgers gets hurt or whatever in between, like they need to figure out if they're picking up this option on him or not. It's definitely a curious situation. I know that it's, I'm not sure of a lot of teams, you know, I was thinking in more recent history that I've ever had, you know, that same scenario. I don't think anybody ever has. Yeah. You think about the Patriots, you know, drafting Jimmy G, but I don't think it ever got to that point. So yeah, it's, it's obviously a conundrum that they have. And like I said, they're still trying to win football games. They're not, you know, outside of the playoff picture completely, you know, they, they have a tough schedule coming up with the Eagles, you know, the Titans are first place in the AFC South. And then you have, uh, the Baltimore Ravens as well, who, you know, they upgraded with Roquan Smith, I think, getting him from the Bears. And so, um, yeah, like there's three games there. And so the best that, you know, if you don't like yourself or you don't like the Packers in those games and they win the rest, which even that's a tall order, right? You're sitting at nine and eight. And personally, I think nine and eight could get into the playoffs. You know, I think the NFC East is going to beat up on each other because they haven't really played each other yet. I think the NFC North, obviously, you know, Bears, Lions, you feel good about our chances. And then the the NFC West, I mean, who knows what's going to happen there, too. The Seahawks, are we really convinced that they're very good? You know, you have the Niners, you have the Rams who are underachieving, like the Packers. The Arizona Cardinals are underachieving. The NFC South is like the underachieving division of the NFL. So, it's it's really hard to kind of gauge where things are at. And, you know, it's just a one game at a time mentality. At least that's what I'm doing if I'm in that locker room. But I think for me, what constitutes a successful season is honestly just finishing above 500, like getting to nine and eight. And I don't know if that does mean a playoff spot, but I think at this point with the salary cap situation and you know, potential restructures, potential cuts. Like you have to evaluate how serious these guys are about doing their jobs because up to this point, guys have underperformed and do guys on the team feel like they can no longer reach a Super Bowl? Well, from a team culture standpoint, I don't think front office people or players on the team would want those guys around anymore. And so I think there's going to be a lot of guys fighting for their jobs and I hope that that results in some wins, but a successful season because I'm a competitor and a fan and I want to see them do well. I think the best result to kind of figure out if guys care or not, and also the best chance for them to get into the playoffs and maybe go further is they have to finish above 500. So nine and eight, 10 and seven, if possible, somehow that's what I feel like constitutes a successful season god i can't wait to have some of these conversations over the next few weeks here it's gonna get really interesting all i'm thinking about is how much cap space 
we'd be sitting in the same spot at least at three and five right now, and all those picks that we'd have from Denver. That's all I'm thinking about. Because you look at Seattle right now, and they're looking like geniuses. They are. And and speaking of making predictions and how players are performing, and the NFL truly is a year-by-year basis. So many things can change over the course of one year. We're obviously seeing it on the negative side. But there isn't a person on the planet, maybe besides a few guys that have played with them or know, and a couple people close to them, that who how would we have known that Geno Smith would have come out and played this well? I don't I don't think anybody would have. And so, like I said, things can really change fast in the NFL. And for the Packers right now, it's not great, but hopefully that they can write the ship and and we're just gonna see. But I think a good word to summarize this podcast is curious. We got a lot of curiosity going on in this pod. I just think it's interesting how many I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, is there 10 quarterbacks in this league that are playing consistent football right now? You look at, like, Jalen Hurts. You look at Lamar, Mahomes, Allen, obviously. Um, Maybe you throw a guy like Tua in that mix. Um, I mean, that's like a reach. But, like, you look across the league. You said Josh Allen? Geno Smith. I did say Josh Allen, yeah. Did you say Josh Allen? Geno Smith. Outside of that, I mean, Rodgers, Brady, Matt Ryan's been benched, Derek Carr, uh, Tannehill. You can go on and on and Kirk, on. Maybe, Kirk Cousins maybe has been maybe, consistent. Yep, Cousins, 100%. I would put him in that boat. But, I mean, P.J. Walker's out playing, you know, week after week here. It's, it's interesting to see, which, again, huge proponent of much more football. But Taylor Heineke and P.J. Walker getting it done when they got real shots in the XFL the first time around. But, yeah, I mean – we're talking like seven quarterbacks that have consistently performed like Burrow Burrow hasn't, um, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's interesting to see the shift um, with how strong defense has been. I think it's super healthy for the long term of the league because I think the league was kind of going at a pace that was a little bit almost kind of ridiculous in terms of how many rules kind of favored the offense and everything else. And, you know, offense sells and, and all that stuff, but like defense has definitely kind of taken that over. Um, this year at least. Well, we'll keep watching. Keep sticking with us. I mean, it's been a it's been a really tough stretch to do pods, but we we got you. We got you, folks. Uh, tune in next week. Hopefully, after a Packers W uh, against the Detroit Lions, we'll we'll see you next week.